This week, I received a note from a good friend of mine. It was from his seven-year-old daughter. It was a great note. It made me smile. I thought I'd share with you. She wrote to him, Dear Dad, I love you because you take care of me and you love me and you teach me about the Bible and God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and you do chores for me. (laughs) Love, Tessa, to Dad. Isn't that great? That's a great age, seven years old. It's a wonderful age. You get notes like that. And when you get notes like that, you think, I don't want this to ever end. I don't want this age ever to go away. Well, you know, I have a seven-year-old myself. And this week, on Monday, my kids did for themselves something that I used to help them do. And while I was very proud as a parent that they were growing up and that they were taking responsibility for themselves... I have to admit there was this momentary panic when I realized that these moments are going to come again and again when there is more and more stuff they're able to do for themselves that they don't need me for. And you think, why can't we just freeze everything in time right here? Why Why does this have to change? Now, why is it that we want to hold on to our children? Why is it that we want to keep moments like this? I think part of it is because of the fear of abandonment. The fear that as our children get older, they won't need us. And if they don't need us, then they may not be as integrally involved in our lives. As long as they need us, then they're going to be part of our lives. But the fear is, is that the more that they develop lives of their own, the less they'll be integrated into our lives. Now, that fear of abandonment, it's not just a fear about children growing up. We can experience that fear of abandonment with the possibility that our friends may outgrow us, that our loved ones may pass away, and we may feel like we are being left here all by ourselves, that they're gone and we've been abandoned. It's the fear that a spouse may leave us, that we'll be left all by ourselves. It's that same fear we can have about getting older, where we're no longer physically or mentally capable of doing the things we once were able to do, and we think to ourselves, well, I'll be of no use to society, I'll be of no use to the church, I'll be of no use to anybody, and then I'll be abandoned by myself in my home as a shut-in or in a nursing home or wherever, and there is that fear that we will be all alone. That fear of abandonment is actually, in its greatest form perhaps, our fear of death. That when we die, we'll just simply be forgotten. That life will go on with no memory of us at all, and that we will be abandoned to the grave, simply alone. Everybody feels that fear of abandonment at some point. It's a very real and genuine fear that we are going to be alone. But if you're feeling that this morning, I have good news for you. Easter Sunday morning, God has dealt decisively with our fear of abandonment. 
that God has seen our need, our problem, and he has dealt decisively with it on Easter Sunday morning. And so we want to look at that today. So if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to turn to the book of Acts chapter 2. The book of Acts chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, we provide them. They're in your rack in front of you or underneath your seat. It's page 771 in those Bibles. You turn to page 771, you'll be right where we are. Acts chapter 2. Now for the past few months here at Calvary, we've been looking at the story of a man named King David. One of the most famous kings in history. He was the king of the nation of Israel. And the reason why he was so famous is because his heart was sold out for God. And God blessed him. And we've been able to look at stories from David's life. But not only have we looked at stories, we've been also able to see poetry that this king wrote. This poetry we call Psalms. And we have records of not only the things that happened to David and the things that David did, but also the inner feelings that David was experiencing, the emotions, the thoughts that were going through his mind and his heart. And this morning, we have the opportunity to look at a particular piece of poetry that David wrote dealing with the fear of abandonment. That when we talk about that fear that we're going to be left all alone, that our children or our spouses or our loved ones or our friends or whoever will simply leave us, that David knows that feeling, that emotion. And he wrote something about that. Now the reason we're in Acts chapter 2 is because that piece of poetry that David wrote dealing with the theme of abandonment, the apostle Peter thinks that piece of poetry that we're going to look at this morning explains what happened on that very first Easter Sunday morning 2,000 years ago and why today we're rejoicing. So in Acts 2, we are going to be looking at Peter's explanation of David's poem dealing with abandonment. Now in just a moment, in Acts chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 25 to 28. That's the piece of poetry. Before we do, let me tell you what Peter, the Apostle Peter, says before we get to this to kind of set it up. He's preaching in front of a large group of people who have seen a miraculous sign from God, that God has done something amazing, and everybody's paying attention. And Peter says to all the people who are listening, look, pay attention. You need to understand what is going on here. And he starts by telling them about Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, Jesus was a man who God specifically commended as being distinct and unique among all humans, that God's presence and God's blessing was on this man, Jesus, in a unique way because Jesus did amazing miracles. He walked on the water. He raised the dead. He stilled the storm. He multiplied food. He healed the sick. And Peter said, look, nobody else has ever done anything like that. But Jesus, this man, was commended by God and set apart as distinct by God. But wicked men who were jealous of Jesus' popularity, who were jealous of the threat that Jesus posed to them in their position, put him to death by crucifying him on a cross. And Peter says, look, the reason he died on the cross was not just because wicked men were plotting against him. 
This was also part of God the Father's plan. Plan to deal with the problem of abandonment. Plans to deal with what we're talking about this morning. And so while wicked men did plot to put him to death, God the Father had planned this from the beginning of time that Jesus would be crucified as a payment for our sins. That when Jesus died on Good Friday, God placed on him my sin, your sin, and the sins of the whole world. And that Jesus died as a payment for our sins, that he was punished so that we wouldn't have to be. Peter describes this punishment with a great phrase. It's in verse 24. He calls it the agony of death. Now, it's a great phrase. It's not a, it's not a fun phrase. It's a powerful phrase, the agony of death. On the cross, that's what Jesus experienced. Now, by the agony of death, Peter doesn't mean the pain of dying. What he means is, is the agony of being absolutely alone in death. We talked a little bit about abandonment at the beginning of the sermon. Have you ever had that experience? Perhaps you have a child, a grown child who's estranged from you who refuses to talk to you or have anything to do with you. Maybe you've been abandoned by a spouse. Maybe you've had a loved one die and feel like you're completely separated from them. If you've ever had that experience, if you can take that emotion, that feeling of being so alone and separated and realize that's just a tiny glimpse of what it is that Jesus experienced when he died. That's why Peter calls it the agony of death, that God the Father turned his back on Jesus, that Jesus says on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That in that moment and for that time, Friday and Saturday till Sunday morning, Jesus was absolutely alone, completely alone. That if you've ever had that feeling of being abandoned, that Jesus felt absolutely alone. And Peter says, that's the agony of death. Peter says, but he experienced the agony of death in payment for our sins. But God did not leave him in that agony of death, but raised him from the dead. And Peter's trying to explain what happened that Easter Sunday morning. Jesus is raised. And so to do that, he draws on this piece of poetry that David wrote a thousand years before Jesus came along. Let's look at it now. Verses 25 to 28. As Peter's trying to explain, what does it mean that Jesus is raised from the dead? He says, verse 25, David said about Jesus, I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope. Why? Verse 27, because you will not abandon me to the grave nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Now catch what's going on here. David, who lives a thousand years before Jesus, before that first Easter 2,000 years ago, David lives a thousand years before that. 
And in the moment, he writes this piece of poetry thinking about the issue of abandonment. It's verse 27. Now, when he thinks about abandonment, he's thinking about it in its ultimate form, that of dying. That David has looked at God and understood his character and understood his love and his goodness. And David is absolutely convinced God will not abandon me to the grave. That the greatest possible fear of abandonment is that of dying, that we'll be all alone, abandoned to death. And David says confidently, it will not happen. God will not let me be abandoned to the grave. He says that in great hope. David has no fear of dying because he knows God is not going to abandon me. But there's a problem. Even though David is absolutely convinced and has faith and writes it down, God will not abandon me. The problem is this. He dies. <laughs> no matter how confident he was and all he wrote, he still died. Look, Peter says as much in verse 29. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. Peter's talking about in the city of Jerusalem. Look, you can go see the tomb of David. I've been there. You can go see the tomb of David in the city of Jerusalem. Well, what's going on here, David? I thought he wrote that he was not afraid of death, that God would not abandon him. Well, what's going on? Well, read with me. Peter goes on to explain what happened. Even though David died, verse 30, he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, David spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, of the Messiah, of Jesus, his descendant. That Jesus was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Here's Peter's point. David, who was absolutely confident that God would not abandon him to the grave, died and was buried. But he was a prophet, meaning he looked ahead to the coming of Jesus. And David said, Jesus, he's my Lord. And David knew that God would not abandon Jesus to the grave. And because God would not abandon Jesus to the grave, David knew if he won't abandon my Lord, he won't abandon me because I'm with him. And Peter says, look, this is what's happened. Jesus has now been raised from the dead. God did not abandon him to the grave. 
which means that David has been raised from the dead. So yes, David's tomb is still in Jerusalem, but David's not. Because when Jesus was raised from the dead, David was raised with him because he was his Lord. And David knew that was coming. And so while David had to wait a thousand years, God did not abandon him to death. And David is alive today. And David is in heaven today with Jesus. And Peter's explaining, look, this is the good news of Easter. Now, well, sounds a good, like good news for David. But what about for us? Well, look back, if you will, in chapter 2, all the way up to verse 21. Right before Peter launches into this whole discussion about Jesus dying for our sins and experiencing the agony of death for us, look what it says, verse 21. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from abandonment. The same thing that David was saved from. Everyone who calls, not just David, everybody, you, me, anybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This has two points of application for you and I today. Number one, the same thing is true for us as is true for David. If we accept the Jesus as our Lord, just like David did, David said, my Lord, Jesus. If we say Jesus is our Lord, then God cannot abandon us to the grave any more than he abandoned David to the grave. You see how this works. What God is saying is, look, if you're connected with Jesus and I can't abandon Jesus, I can't abandon you either. Now think about this for a minute. Jesus experienced the agony of death, which means he was absolutely separated from God. Why? Because he carried on him the sins of the whole world. Now, sometimes you think about Jesus and you go, well, of course, God didn't abandon Jesus. Jesus is God. God's for Jesus. Why would he abandon him to the grave? But no, no, no. You got to stop and think for a minute. We talked about this last week if you were here. At the time Jesus died, God had placed on him all my sins, all your sins, every sin, every wrongdoing that had ever been committed in the history of the world placed upon Jesus. And if at that moment when, when God looked at Jesus, he saw all the sins of all the world, if God didn't abandon him then, why would he abandon him now? Now that he's been raised from the dead and is sitting at the right hand of God the Father on high. And Peter's point is, look, if at that moment, if there was ever a moment that God was going to abandon Jesus, it was the moment in which all the wicked things in the world were given to him. If God didn't abandon him then, he's not going to abandon him now. And if he's our Lord, God can't abandon us without abandoning him because we're connected to him. And therefore, we have the same hope that David had. We will not be abandoned to the grave. We do not have to fear death. Easter Sunday morning, we not only celebrate Christ's resurrection, we celebrate our resurrection. We are connected to him. If God did not abandon Jesus, he cannot and will not abandon us. And just like David, 
who a thousand years before Jesus looked by faith and said, but my Lord is coming and God will not abandon my Lord and therefore God will not abandon me. We too, looking back 2,000 years ago, said, my Lord came and God did not abandon my Lord to the grave. He will not abandon me to the grave. And if you have aligned yourself with Christ, if you have accepted Christ as your Lord, not just a good person, not just somebody who claimed to be God, not just somebody who was a great teacher, not even somebody who wanted to save people, but if you accept Jesus as your Lord, then you're with him. And you can have absolutely confidence that 2,000 years ago, your resurrection from the dead has already happened. That God has already, you don't have to fear being abandoned to the grave. That when we die, God will raise us from the dead. There's a second point of application though. Not only do we have to fear, do we not have to fear abandonment to death? If Jesus is your Lord, you do not have to fear abandonment in life. That's why David says, I saw the Lord always before me, verse 25. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Not by death, nor by anything that happens in life. Listen, my friends, I wish I could promise you that your children will never abandon you. I cannot. I wish I could promise you that your spouse will never abandon you. I cannot. I wish I promised you that your loved ones, your friends, society will not abandon you. I cannot promise those things. But what God has promised on oath, just like he gave to David, is that he will never abandon you. And that if your kids do, if your spouse does, if your friends do, if society does, if the whole world does, God cannot and will not ever abandon you. That's the good news of Easter. We've not just gathered together to, to celebrate the fact that Christ is risen. Like, good for Jesus. Hope he's having a great time in heaven. We're here to celebrate the fact that Christ is risen and is at our right hand. He's with us wherever we go and whatever we go through. You can't see it. I can't see it. But right now, he's right here. Yes. No matter what happens to me, no matter what happens the rest of this day, the rest of the week, the rest of the year, the rest of life, Jesus says, I will never, ever leave you. You never have to fear being abandoned ever again. God has sworn on oath. Look, if I didn't leave Jesus when all the bad things you and I had done were written on his account, now that he is seated at my right hand in heaven and is at your right hand, do you think I could ever abandon you? This is why Peter says it's so absolutely essential. We must accept Jesus as our Lord. Because when we accept him as our Lord, then his fate becomes our fate. Our destinies are tied together. God cannot abandon us without abandoning Jesus, and he cannot abandon Jesus. Now, what's our response to such a message like this? Well, look at the response of the people when it was first proclaimed. Verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, 
what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. That's us, Grand Rapids, Michigan, 2013. Peter's talking about us. We're far away from him. For all whom the Lord will call. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Listen, what he's saying is, look, this generation, this society, they're going to abandon you. Your kids, your spouse, your loved ones, your friends, everybody has the potential to abandon you in this generation, in this world. Accept the Lord, save yourself from it. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. We have the opportunity this Easter Sunday morning to do exactly what they did, which is to celebrate with those who have already placed their faith in Jesus as Lord and today are celebrating that fact in baptism. What is baptism? Baptism is the reminder that we are connected with Jesus, that he will never leave us or forsake us or abandon us, that though we die, we will be raised back to life with him. That our Easter celebration, we celebrate not only Christ's resurrection, but our resurrection with him. So let's rejoice and celebrate with those today who are experiencing the joy of baptism.